0: You're listening to the Podcast Detroit Network. Visit www.podcastdetroit.com for more information. All right,
1: standing by for live on Facebook. I said, hey, Hey. welcome to the Man Cave happy hour. I said, hey, Hey. welcome to the Man Cave happy hour. We're going to drink a fine whiskey and... Smoke a really fine cigar. Danny, we're ready to begin, except we don't have a host. Serious. <laughs> welcome, welcome to Facebook. This is Man Cave Happy Hour, and I'm not your host, but here he is. That's why
2: It is time for Happy Hour. It is the Man Cave Happy Hour. Whiskey, cigar, spirits, and stories that go along with it. I'm Jamie Flanagan.
3: Hey, good afternoon. Good evening. In podcast world, I am Matt Fox.
2: And we have Joe Lewitt. Oh bourbon on tap again tasting tuesdays with joe lewis bourbon uh you guys thanks for uh always being such gracious hosts and and having us along to have some fun with some bourbon and stories and we have both today we have a bartender on tap and we have a master storyteller uh on tap for you guys today as well uh jj peter the owners are here with us Michael is here. He's getting the word out nationwide and is going to be pouring some drinks. Charles, Charles Avison. He wrote the book called uh, Detroit City of Champions. It's all about the 1935 year and how Detroit became such a, a iconic city for sports uh, and how Joe Lewis is a massive colossal part of that uh, iconic sports heritage in Detroit. And uh, yeah, we're excited to, uh, for the conversations. Tonight, Peter, you, what is your main question? Peter was like so excited that he got to, got to talk to Charles. Was there something in particular, Peter, that you wanted to ask Charles?
4: Well, yeah, I, I think that I was really amazed when we, when we peel back the layers of Joe Lewis's life, we just keep finding so many more important pieces of Americana. And I, I think people my generation don't really remember Detroit as the roaring, thriving metropolis where everything was cool. And and to me, nineteen thirty-five was a moment in time where Detroit was the coolest place on the on the planet, really. Right. And and they even had a holiday called the the, the Champions Day. And I, I know you were kind of a part of that. And I've been dying to know where whatever happened to Champions Day and, and where, where is where is that in, in Detroit these days?
5: That's like one of the best questions I've ever had. I just want to let you know that. Cause like <laughs> I, I'm in the reason I say that is because I never get a chance to talk about champions day. I never get a chance to talk about it. Um, unless of course we're doing it on champions Day. It's April 18th. And we usually, I usually do a speech over at uh, the historical museum on the 18th. We have a big group of people that, uh, still celebrates the day. So it's like, that's about the only time that ever that conversation ever comes up. So, um. So like said, that's a great question. And uh, so the so the idea just just to talk about Champions Day for a minute is that um, that, is that throughout the course of the year? So in Detroit, 1935, you have 33 championships in the same season. All right, which is like a ridiculous. I mean, 33 championships. Like, is there even that many sports? First of all, and the, the answer is yes, there was. And they, in the the, the f- further answer is that they won them all that year. And so at, the, so at the finale of the season, um, they, they threw a party at the Masonic Temple in Detroit. Uh, they, the, the governor of Michigan declared Champions Day for the state. The uh, this Detroit City Council Detroit, champ, uh, declared Champions Day for the city. Um, it was a huge party. Joe, Joe Lewis was the guest of honor. Um, Tigers, Lions, Red Wings were all there. Um, all the other athletes from the season were all there. I mean, it was, they, call it, they called it the greatest gathering of champions under a single roof. Um, in, in history. That that was sort of the, the bill for the party. That's like how they build the party. And so, uh, yeah, I mean, it was, they had, they did a radio broadcast that day. They, uh, the Detroit times, which was the third newspaper at that time, they issued a, they were actually the ones that sponsored the party. And so they issued a commemorative newspaper for that day. And, um, and if I had any notion that you were going to ask that question, I would, I would actually have had my, cause I had, there's only one known original copy of the newspaper that was issued on Champions Day, and I have it. Like, I actually oh, – nice. like, the story of acquiring this newspaper is actually – like, I actually wrote, a, like, a passage in a book about how it was acquired because it's so um, crazy. But it's actually signed at the top of the newspaper by three of the Tigers' best pitchers in 1935. Um, it's, like, literally priceless. Like, I wouldn't sell for anything. But, it's amazing. Um, if I had any idea you were ask that question, I would actually have that out because I got it, like <laughs> – been a glass case you know the equivalent of a glass case i don't really show it off but can you um,
2: imagine can you imagine today getting the members of the, the you know if they were even having a moderate season uh the lions and the tigers uh in the wings and, and, and people from from boxing together i can't even fathom trying to get all those people together in in today's culture so why charles why do you think uh the the day isn't celebrated as as overtly uh as it used to be
5: well, I mean, that's that's a question that ties into the entire um, into the entire forgotten component of the story itself. Like, why is the entire season forgotten? You see what I'm saying? Like this. And I say forgotten. Um, I mean, that with the very definition of word. If you if you look in virtually any I mean, any Detroit sports history book, it, there's no mention of first of all, there's no mention of Champions Day. That's number one. I mean, there's my, my book was the first one to even mentioned the fact that Champions Day even existed. Uh, a friend of mine and myself created the Wikipedia page. For Champions Day, which has like become like all of a sudden, it's like we started off as like one page when we first made it. Now there's like thirty like it's the equivalent of probably thirty pages long just from all the stuff that's like attached to it. Um, but the season has been forgotten. I mean, every once in a year, if you read a Tiger history book, they talk about the Tigers winning in third 1935. You read a, read a Lions history book, they talk about the Lions doing it. But there's nothing that ever talks about all of them doing it at the same time or all the other championships that won at the same time. Um, and so that's what I'm saying, like, it really ties into the larger question of how the season itself was forgotten. Hmm. Um, and you know, besides you know, cause if there's no, if nobody remembers the season, then how can they remember the day that celebrates it? You know? yeah. Sure. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah.
5: yeah. Um, so that's, I mean, that's the part of a, the larger question. That's, I mean, that's a longer, um, story I, I think, but, but, um, but the idea with the, the idea with anything, like somebody told me one time, like, you know, there's champ, there's, there's holidays for everything. There's like national milk drinking day and there's national <laughs> Drink, you know, whatever day and, and in my response you know so they try to diminish the concept of the champions day you know going oh well they you know champions day, they celebrate everything and i said and i told them i said you know it, it, of course it's only worth celebrating if you like want to celebrate it i understand that concept but i think this is something that should be celebrated you know that's you know we're trying to bring it back so you know when, um, I, when I
4: when i read about um Champions Day and your activity around it, one of the things right, I saw that you've been quoted on was when you said, How do you bring back a forgotten holiday? Yeah. And and for us with Joe Lewis, uh, when we really discovered who he really was, you know, beyond yeah, yeah. just that hey, he was a great fighter, one of the big challenges we face is how do we really connect the brand to all those same larger themes, you know, that Champions Day was sure. part of. And, and that's what we're really trying to make certain of is that we, we look very, very carefully at, at the man and what he meant. And he meant a lot to people in Detroit and, and cha- the, really champions. Dave was, um, you know, certainly there were all the teams out there, but Joe Lewis was broadly recognized as the most fantastic athlete of all of them.
5: Absolutely. Yeah. Agree. Yeah,
4: so it was a pretty amazing squad. And I was thinking about that and the things that you've written and it reminded me a lot of our challenge, Reminded me a lot of our challenge, you know, making this all happen. So I really appreciate that a lot.
5: Yeah, well, you know, Joe, Joe Lewis, I I Joe Lewis emerged. I mean, I spent spent years telling all the story, and Joe Lewis really emerged as my favorite athlete of all of them. I mean, his story is just remarkable. It really is. And so I applaud you for your you know for your efforts and everything too. So
4: thank you. Appreciate it. Now wait a sec, you know, we have a lovely lady in this audience. Well, that's nobody's introduced. us. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. You're killing me.
2: Tara, Tara is a, a, a bartender, and when bars and places of business are are open, uh, it's the Detroit. It's the Detroiter or Detroit? De- Detroit. The, all right, the Detroit Club, and there, there's a bar inside there called the the Library Pub.
6: The Library Bar.
2: The Library Bar, and it is yep. uh, it is swanky. It is. Uh, <laughs> It is. Gentlemen, you want your bourbon in there because it is one of the fancy pants places in Detroit. It is it is one of the destination craft cocktail bourbon lounges um, in the city. Tara, thanks for hanging out.
0: Yeah, for
3: sure. So you're going to have you you thought up of a few uh, concoctions or recipes or cocktails for us. But you've been hanging on to the to this bourbon for a week now. Um, Has it been difficult to hang on to this and not at least give it a taste or a smell? To kind of figure um, out what you're gonna do with it.
6: No, I I did taste it a little bit of it, but I've been really good.
3: Okay, fair <laughs> my enough.
6: Kids, <laughs> my kids keep me occupied, so very oh, good.
2: All right, so uh, we asked you to come up with a, a couple of, of recipes. Mm-hmm. Um, so when you when you tasted the bourbon, uh, as far as compared to other bourbons, what were you tasting? What were you smelling, what were you getting, Tara, out of out of Joe Lewis bourbon?
6: Well, I have some, so I'm gonna first them right here. Hey, yeah, I- <laughs> everybody's got some but me, man. Like
3: I uh, got long, like I oh, no, 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 you're, you're done. Alone. <laughs> <laughs> I you drink a lot already. <laughs> that, I promise.
5: <laughs> Let me get some of that. I love that. I just have a feeling it's really good. Everybody's lo- loving it over here. You know? <laughs>
6: it's It's super sweet when it first hits your palate, mm-hmm. at least to me, it starts out super sweet, and you get a lot of the flavor right in the middle, and then it finishes. But the majority, the height of it to me is right in the middle of it. So start sweet kind of goes up, and then it finishes nice and smooth. It's got heard, good flavor, though. I've heard
4: people say that. Um, it, my, in fact, my, my son, uh, that's, that, you just kind of repeated exactly what he would say uh, about it. and, and I, yeah. think I think it's the high, the high barley. We've got a high barley count in the bourbon. Mm-hmm. When, when that drops off on the back and it goes smooth and peppery, I think that's really the, the, the higher barley count, which is a bit unique. And I agree that, you know, that, that corn, we got all that corn in there. and it comes what, is, right
6: what is your mash build? Uh, 66, 14.
4: I know that off the top of my head, but I don't.
2: Michael's <laughs> got it. It's 66% corn. And then, Michael, what else is in there?
1: It's 66% corn, 14% rye, and 20% barley.
6: Hey, so the, the spice yeah. you're getting at the height of it is the rye.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah.
6: Now,
4: what did meatloaf say about two out of
6: three is not bad, right?
2: <laughs> <laughs> all right. So, Tara, when you when you taste the sweetness in the bourbon mm-hmm. uh, and you're like, okay, I'm going to use this in, in a cocktail, uh, where are you going to go with it? What's, uh, what's the first recipe you came up with?
6: So, the first one, um, I have all the ingredients, so I can make them right on hand.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do it. I would, you know, I'm jealous that we won't be able to try it, but uh, I'd love to watch it. Watch I'll it. I'll
6: drink it. I'll drink it for you.
2: <laughs> watch you work your magic and uh, and, and put it together. For oh, me. Wow, I can't
6: back. All right, so I have a shaker, and I am going to take. Um, so I made a just a simple syrup. I used black tea in mine, so just brewed some regular black tea, like a cup of hot tea, and then added equal parts sugar to thicken it up and kind of make a sugar syrup. Uh, mine is oolong tea, because it's what I had on hand. So I'm going to do a half ounce of oolong tea. Right in. And then I have some lemon juice. I keep fresh lemons and limes in my fridge pretty much all the time, because I'm always making cocktails. Um, fresh is the best to use, but if you have something else, like a little like lemon concentrate, you could use that. I would just use a little bit more syrup, because that tends to be a little bit more acidic. Um, so then I am going to do a lemon, jump it right in. So half ounce of each, and then I'm going to do two ounces of the bourbon. Jump it in. And then you have to excuse me because I have to grab ice. I didn't bring it with me because I didn't know how long I was going <laughs> to no. be not doing no, that. No, do your oh, thing,
3: do your
2: thing.
6: Hold that thought for one second.
2: Well, while Tara's grabbing her ice, Charles, when, when we're, she's done making this first drink, um, I want I want you to kind of tell us, just give us the uh, you know the elevator pitch uh, on the book about uh, the Detroit City of Champions uh, and and what's what's in the book. Uh, but we're also going to find out from Al and from Ron uh, where it's available because there's a whole lot of new places you guys have been taking <clears throat> games and kicking butt and getting <clears throat> the product into some stores. So we're going to find out. Uh, Al, you're from down south, right? You covering the the southern hemisphere for us?
7: <laughs> I'm actually in Michigan.
2: Oh, 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 welcome!
7: <laughs> all right, I, I
2: thought you were uh, a little further south.
7: No, in Michigan. So oh, um, okay. oh, basically, kind of like Metro Detroit, um, North suburb. So Sterling Heights, um, Rochester, Rochester Hills, Clarkson. Basically, all the way north. So
2: oh. all right, we're gonna find out what places uh, are carrying it uh, after Tara mixes it up a little bit. You got your ice?
6: I do. I have mine. So, uh, fill the ice, just shake it, and you can use a shaker like this, or I know a lot of people at home tend to have the um, cobbler shakers. You could use either or.
3: Oh, that noise, that sound.
6: (laughs) (laughs) And then just dump it right in your glass. Um, and then I'm going to top mine with a little bit of Angostura bitters. You can find these at Meyer Target, pretty much any store. My label fell off, so forgive me for that. <laughs> um, and then I'm just going to go right over top with some bitters. Oh, that looks
2: delicious. So, yeah, have you guys ever, that looks fantastic.
6: Hey, can I ask it. a question? Oh, wow. Yeah.
4: When you made your simple syrup, you used a specific kind of tea?
6: So you can use any kind of black tea because black tends to be the strongest. Um, and oolong black tea was what I had on hand. But you could use any black tea. You could use Earl Grey or breakfast tea or anything like that. Neat. I could so.
1: So I have an ingredient that I wanna ask you if you've ever played with. Okay. 1821 tincture. It's the ginger lemon tincture.
6: Mm-hmm. Uh, specifically, not that one. I have um, some ginger bitters at work that I keep on hands. They're really good if you're just looking to add a little bit of a light flavor to it, um, depending on yeah. what
1: kind of cocktail uh, I've, been, I've been using this uh, with a, basically doing um, in place of bitters for a Manhattan, a very, yeah. a very a dry Manhattan, in other words, not a lot of rest, just mm-hmm. a, and a little bit of this and it's been really nice with the joe.
6: Oh, I'm sure, it probably adds a little bit of spice to it.
1: Yeah, and then I got one more, let's see. <laughs> yeah. Where do you get all the wonderful toys? (laughs) Hibiscus.
6: Hibiscus is good because it has a little bit of sweet and almost fruitiness, but a little bit of bitter on the end too.
1: Yeah. So Jamie, the answer is that 1821 bitters, I don't know if you guys have them in Michigan. They're they're pretty much getting all over the place, but they are made right here in Atlanta. I'm in Atlanta. Mm. Uh, And what's cool about it is there's a place that is called Ponce Market here when it was open before we were all shut down. And there's a lot of different shops in there and they actually have their kitchen where they make this, but they supply, you know, all over the country. Um, So they'll have cocktail classes and I've gone to a number of them and you get to experiment and try new things. So we have to get them some Joe for their next cocktail class, but.
0: Yeah. We're
4: gonna come back to Charles with a couple of questions.
1: Yeah, for sure.
2: So yeah Charles um so the book you wrote the book um just because it was like such an undiscovered history uh just what 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 is the 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 crux of it what caught your ten- attention first about that 1935 year
5: Well um the whole the whole thing for me started I was a senior at Western um in 2005 and um I had a sports history class that I was taking and um I just come back from the University of Edinburgh Scotland with a, with like a research history like I was like it's been a year. Like, I mean, it may just this. I've, I've been, you know, I studied to be like a research historian, you know, my whole life kind of thing. And um, and in my senior year at Western, I'm I'm taking this this sports history class again. Like, like it's like a basket weaving class, right? Like, I'm like, this is gonna be fun. You know, something like, you know, burn a couple of credits off. I've been saving something like this. Anyways, at some point, uh, well, one me, and my friends were hanging out at my my apartment one night, and uh, just like drinking beers and that. And uh, we had one of my friends had a Detroit tiger media guide and we were just going through random like trivia questions, I guess. And one of them, I was like, well, what year did the tigers win their first world series? I'd never even known that. And so, um, so we looked it up. It was 1935. And then at the bottom of the page, it said, um, you know, did you know that not only did the tigers win their championship, but the lions and red wings had won theirs too. in this in 1935, And and I was like, I had never heard that. I'm a, you know, I'm a diehard Detroit sports fan. I've, you know, I read all the you know read this you know I know at least know was enough to know the main stories you know and I was like that seems like a pretty big story to know about and how was I I wasn't sure how you know how was I never knew that before so anyway so I made up the subject for this uh, for the sports history class try to write a two page paper for this class and and could not find enough information to fill a two page paper hmm. and that's what really kind of jumped out to me was like I mean, like, like I say, I, I'm a research historian, I just got back from University of Edinburgh, Scotland, like I can't write it, I'm either a horrible researcher, because I can't find enough information for the big paper, or there's no information out there, you see, and so, um, and so I kept on, you know, following the pursuing it a little bit, and I made it my thesis to graduate from Western. And uh, that when I saw when I went to the original newspapers is when it really opened up. I was like, oh, my God, like this, this, like every single day is like Detroit City of Champions. This team just did this and this team just did that. And it was like and so I wrote this. I mean, at first I was like worried, you know, worried about filling a 30 page paper. Um, But then, you know, but once I opened up the the original newspapers, I'm like 30 pages isn't even going to be enough. Like (laughs) this is this is the biggest story I've ever seen. I mean, it was just uh, unbelievable. And so, I mean, I did the thesis. Um, and, uh, you know, so I did the thesis and then after it was, after I graduated, it was like, I kind of put it on the shelf for it for a couple of years. And, but the more it was like on the shelf, the more it was like kind of saying, it's not finished, you know, it's not finished, you know? And so I, so I went back, so I uh, actually thought about the idea, like start my own company up, like a, bu- a publishing company, um, writing, a, you know, writing a book on this thing, and kind of launching the the company with this, my first book and, um. And so I did. So I started going to Detroit Public Library and really making like a full time investigation of it. And and, um, really the big real the big thing for me was like when I was writing that first book is I'd never heard of Champions Day. I'd never heard of it. And I was just I remember that I'll never forget the moment I was sitting there in front of this microfilm reel and just reading about Champions Day. And I'm like, my my God, like there's a holiday that celebrates this year. I mean, it's I, I couldn't believe it. Um, and I'm, but I'm but the, the, the more unbelievable thing is almost like a sense of like like uh it was more of like a sense of like fear than anything. It was this weird sense of like now it's your responsibility to tell the world <laughs> like because nobody <laughs> like, you don't if if like if I like when's the next time somebody's gonna be sitting in a microfilm lab looking for information on this particular year? I mean, nobody's done anything about it for 80 years. like when's the next time Charles. You know, like, Charles April 18th will never be the same for me again. Okay, excellent. Excellent. Yeah. <laughs> and have a look at the Wikipedia uh, page because it's fascinating. The Wik- like like 90% of the Wikipedia page is just like I check it every once in a while and it's just new information that it. Every time somebody puts their newspaper archives online, it just gets linked to the page and it's like I learned oh, yeah. just from reading the Wikipedia page. We should at least throw a party, for God's sake. Well, we do every every April eighteenth. Well, we have a huge party at the Masonic Temple in Detroit. Last year was free beer from the um east for the uh, Eastern Market Brewing
3: Company. Where was my invite? That's what I wanted. Wait, to know. Yeah. we were all <laughs> going to throw a big party on
1: April eighteenth. Yeah, yeah right? well, That was well, when that was when Joe Lewis was supposed to debut at the Michigan State Golden Gloves tournament.
5: Oh well, the, the, the Historical museum has a uh, has a replica of the Lindell Bar, um, oh, in, in their museum, yeah. and so they and so they use that as a double occasion to like bring in actually kegs of beer from the, the Eastern Market Brewing Company. Has been great; they've been f- uh, sponsoring the party for like the last three or four years. And um, so they brought in kegs. They actually have a they actually have a City of Champions IPA, which is like ten percent beer <laughs> liquor, whatever it is. That's wow. what, else, what I was drinking there last year. Got had a couple too many, but you know maybe not two, two, not enough, you know, uh, <laughs> I, love I love it. So but, it's uh, Charles, so yeah. So it just evolved, you know, it just evolved. And that's really know, I've had some
1: snacks delivered. while we were
5: So one book, so I wrote the first book on the story itself. And then when I was done writing the first book on the story, um, I realized that there was still way more that needed to be done because I, even when I was finished with the first book, I was, you know, I was, the players themselves were just as forgotten as the story. Mm. And so I kept on pursuing. So I spent another six years working on the. I, I wrote two more books on it called the players. And so I've got three, but really there's, a, I call it the city of champions trilogy. And then now I've actually got a screenplay for a movie. I wrote it's about 700 pages long. I spent a year writing mm-hmm. that. So I actually have a screenplay for a miniseries, like a Netflix miniseries, all, all ready to go. I mean, it's ready to go as soon as I... I, oh I think my. you could build it around Joe Lewis, man. Oh, Joe Lewis. He's the first two episodes. It's all Joe for the first two episodes.
4: <laughs> yeah. we, fell, we fell in love with Joe Lewis. Um, and, um, you know, I, I've told this story too many times, but I, I went to his <clears throat> grave site, and
5: I've got to tell you, the energy is there. yeah. Well, the thing about Joe Lewis is, is, that you know, there's all there's been all these Hollywood movies about like Muhammad Ali, um, you know. There's been a movie on uh, James Braddock for the Cinderella Man story when he, you know, and, and that took place in 1935. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's all there's you know there's there's one on, uh, you know, like the Raging Bull. There's like, there's there's numerous boxing movies out there. Oh, but yeah. the astonishing thing is, there's never been like an A-list Hollywood movie made about Joe Lewis, <laughs> and that's what's so crazy. Like, I mean, the story of Joe Lewis night especially 1935 1935 joe lewis um the, the, my favorite comparison is that is the is to use Cinderella man the movie Cinderella man if any, if you guys have been, you know if you all have seen Cinderella man yeah. um you know it, you know starring Russell Crowe 100 million dollar hollywood movie yeah, joe's, when when i look at some
4: of the old when i look at some of the old films of joe's life um those films were made in a period of time where african americans were not Provided with a platform uh, to really be presented the way they were.
3: Well, but I'm and saying like, like nowadays,
4: there's a lot but of Jim there's Crow. There's a lot of things. Jim Crow in those early movies.
5: Well, yeah, but I'm saying like nowadays, you know, I'm in mean, the 21st century. There's been, you know, there's a movie on Ali. You know, right. there's a movie on James Braddock. There's a movie on all these guys. But where's Joe? That's well, the JJ different. JJ can tell you
4: a little bit about that. Jay, um, JJ is one of is uh, JJ and I founded this company together. By the way, Charles. Okay. And. and, uh, and and Jay, why don't you talk a little bit about that? You know, there was in fact a Save Me Joe Lewis project.
1: Yeah, we um, we were getting ready to do a presentation and all of a sudden we got an email that asked us to watch a video and it came up. Um, Charles, if you send me an email at com, I will send you the link. Um, it's not a public video, but it's um, it was a story of Joe Lewis and Save Me Joe Lewis was the movie. You had Lou Gossett Jr., Oprah Winfrey, Denzel Washington. They had about a three-minute trailer that would just, you know, really give you goosebumps. And you know, you mentioned the movie Alley. What happened with that movie is it got bumped um, right at the last minute. It got bumped out, I think, by the Alley movie, and there was only so much boxing room. Um, Michael, I don't know if you've got that. I can see you thinking. Uh you know, I I don't have it accessible, it's long,
4: but I, it's
5: too long for this environment too, anyway. Yeah.
1: But my point is, but my point, you know,
5: that, that what I'm trying to get at is like now it's like if not the you know, like Joe like the story of Joe Lewis has got everything. It's got everything. I mean it's everything. got you know like I mean this is this is this is I mean it's got everything. It's got love story, it's got I mean the, you know fight against like racial and you know injustice. I mean it's got and he's the guy that opened the door for like guys like um, Robinson. I mean, you know, it's, I mean, Joe Lewis broke the color barrier in golf, you know, and later on, I mean, it's got everything, you know?
8: <laughs> yeah. I mean-, I mean,
5: you know, when we, when we first got going
4: on this, we really didn't understand that all, you know, it was, it was, um, we, we thought it was a great brand. We, we thought it was a great opportunity, but long before we ever got to a moment where we were putting bourbon in a bottle, uh, we, we really found ourselves in the midst of Joe Lewis's legacy. And, and the, you know, it's and Joe Lewis's legacy is tied to Detroit. And Joe Lewis's legacy is tied to America and World War Two.
5: And, and just, think, yeah,
4: yeah, just so many amazing things. And and, and so the context that that we, we get involved with when we talk about our bourbon and our brand
5: is it just is endless. Well, here's the thing is like, you know, it all starts, you know, everything starts somewhere. So, you know, like I say, I've got the screenplay for a movie. And so I mean it's ready to go. I mean it's I mean it's not perfect, but it's like, but I mean it's ready. I mean if there's any, if you guys have any interest, or if you I mean you know, movies well, like we get to twenty thousand cases, <laughs> come talk to me. <laughs> well, my point is, I'm not saying I'm not saying you know even talking about like you guys finance, but I'm talking about like the more people you know, the more people kind of organize around something, the more that something can get done. You know, I mean something where it's like the city of Detroit gets involved, the teams get involved, you know. I mean, all these teams, I mean, it's just, it's, it, to me, it's just something I've been, and I've actually been holding off and, in, in um, putting the screenplay out there, like sending it out to Hollywood, because I've been trying to figure out a way to maybe keep this a little bit more, you know, in Detroit, like a little bit more of a local project where it doesn't get, um, you know, doesn't get Hollywoodized and the, the truth gets lost behind the fiction. So, um, we'll
4: catch up with you offline and we'll talk to you a little bit more absolutely. about we'll yeah. with USA boxing and the golden gloves. Yeah. And how that all ties into the legacy,
5: and so
4: we've kind of grabbed, you know, we're we're, we're we're good friends from go. let can
2: see them on my screen. Yeah. Oh yeah, we're still here. Oh,
4: goodness gracious! You
3: dropped out yeah. of my screen. You
7: guys are the here. We're here. <laughs> <laughs> all right, I'm yeah, just so watching the
3: ready. the video going across. So, uh, yeah. you know, Al and Ron, you know, you guys are really uh, you're here in in, in Michigan and Detroit, and uh you guys are really here to get out to our local watering holes and to our local, our local liquor stores, I guess, for lack of a better term, to really help them understand what the Joe Lewis brand is all about. What are some of the things that you're doing uh, right now with everything that we're going through, through this, through this pandemic, what are some of the things that you've kind of had to tweak uh, to get the Joe Lewis brand out there a little bit more?
0: Well, um, well everything. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it, it, it had to be tweaked. Uh, we, we did a kickoff with the Southern Wine and Spirits team, and what we it was a virtual. It was a Zoom meeting kickoff. It's the first time in my in my career that we've that I've launched a, a brand in, in that platform. So you got to do what you have to do and work with the tools available and move forward on it and and take this uh, story out to the market and show some folks. And then Al's had some success. I've had, had some success with it. <laughs> It gives you that minute to pause and, and to tell that, that forgotten story. Yeah, there's Joe Lewis Arena, there's the Joe Lewis Monument downtown, but the, the story really isn't that well remembered in detail now. 100% agree. But, but people want to connect with it, and and, and, it's, and it really resonates as you share it. I 100% wow, jam- agree
5: with that statement. <sighs>
3: No, Al, you you being a neighbor, because you're kind of here on – because, you know, we're actually a couple of miles away from one another. You don't know that, but I do, based on (laughs) what you said earlier. But um, you're really focused more on the east side of uh, Michigan, where, Ron, you're more focused on the northern part of Michigan. Do I understand that right?
0: Well, Al crosses paths with us. He's he's, he's in the street for me, yeah. He's He's got a big territory. Oh, nice. Yeah,
7: so I'm pretty much kind of like Big Beaver and heading north. So – Gotcha. So. Wow,
3: <laughs>
5: that was me. Sorry, I'm in. The, I'm in Detroit. That's the, uh, That's our local fire
7: truck going somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> like I was Thanks. telling the guys earlier. I walked into one of my accounts and before I even said the word Joe Lewis, he goes, "Hey, do you know who's got Joe Lewis bourbon? <laughs> I need some and I can't get hold of it yet." So uh-huh. I'm like, "Okay," I said, "How many do you need?" <laughs>
2: Uh, was that
4: the waiter? I love was
7: that. So that was awesome. Like that's probably one of my favorites. It's like when you walk in, then it comes before you say one word. It's like, oh, I'll take some. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. I have
4: a question for Tara. <laughs> Tara, how how are you guys? How are you and your friends doing? I mean, we're in the you know my we're actually in the hospitality business ourselves here. How, how are how are people on the street doing in Detroit? And how are your coworkers managing <laughs> through this period of time?
6: Um. A variety of ways. A lot of us have been making cocktails at home and just posting to Instagram. Um, we've had some help from local chapters, the bar guilds that a lot of us are involved in, have been super helpful. I started teaching virtual cocktail classes, which has actually been super successful. I love it. Um, yeah, it's been a lot of fun. It's been a lot of fun for sure. So. I could use
4: I could use a few lessons for what it's worth.
6: Yeah, <laughs> I'm I'm available. <laughs> Um, just getting out and teaching people things they can do while they're at home, how to make cocktails from everyday items in their pantry. Or um, I know Wow Magazine started a video you could do using um, your kitchen. It was like a you make the video yourself and this is how you cook and make a cocktail in your kitchen starring like locally known chefs and bartenders. And so there's a lot of there's a lot of different things you've been doing just to try to stay busy and and that kind of thing. A lot of us have been reading books and trying to further our knowledge while we're off and hanging out at home.
3: So, well, let's
4: hope we're all back to work soon. Yes.
3: So Tara, Tara, your regular patrons, are they able to reach out to you in any way, shape or form, not just for cocktails, but you know, because you know, you, we, a lot of folks in the bar, they they thrive on tips, right? So are are they able to reach out to you in any way, shape or form to tip you if they, uh, if, if they enjoy what you do?
6: Yeah, so there's actually a website called Go Tip Them that Nick Britsky started. Um, oh, nice. it, it has all of the bartenders. It has a, over 1,200 bartenders at this point. And you just look for our state and name, um, and then it's linked to like our Venmo or a PayPal or anything like that.
3: So you actually went in and registered for it in that website yeah. itself. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. I was curious how that worked out. I've heard about it, um, but I was just kind of curious how, you know, trying to get the word out to all the bartenders out there. They all need to get in there and do that, right?
6: Yeah. Yeah. All you have to do is go on and there's a button. I believe it's like the upper left hand side of the website and you can click and add yourself. It takes about 24 hours um, mm-hmm. before your name shows up on the site.
3: Yeah. But I think I, it's like 43 different states are represented by bartenders yeah. there. Right it now, took so.
6: off. It was such a great idea. Mm-hmm. And Nick said that. Yeah. Yeah. Yep,
1: What's yep. the name of the website again? Uh, go, go tip them.
6: Go tip them. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. yeah and speaking of tips. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Michael. <laughs> I just didn't know if Jamie had anything to say. <laughs> uh, uh.
3: Excellent.
2: So, all right. So, Tara, so you're teaching uh, bartending classes uh, at home. I, you said you had a second cocktail uh, using bourbon. What's the uh, What's the second mixture? Uh, the uh, you second have on one top? is
6: actually just a classic cocktail, a um, Manhattan. And I just have to grab my okay. glass. So I'm going to
2: disappear for like two seconds. All right. <clears throat> so um, I want to ask her about the uh, bitters. Uh, as well, "How to Box" by Joe Real. Lewis. Box. Box. Yeah.
1: Wow! Well, oh, she's, are you, uh, these are also a, an original sheet of stamps. Oh wow! Cool. You've, been really, you've been collecting. So that's my movie. Oh, <laughs> yeah, cool. Yeah. All right,
2: so Tara, so uh, uh, you said a Manhattan. <laughs>
6: Manhattan, yes. Uh, It's one of my favorite cocktails, and it's pretty easy to make because you can buy the ingredients at the store. So you just need a large glass, whether it be a pint glass or the bottom of a shaker or something that you can mix in. And then you're going to do typically two to four dashes of bitters. I happen to like my drinks extremely bitter, so I do a little bit more six to eight bitters. So just right in. And then we're going to do an ounce of vermouth. So you can use sweet vermouth or you can use a dry vermouth. I like sweet. Cokie is one of my favorite brands because you can drink it by itself. You can drink any vermouth by itself. I just happen to really like Cokie. Super smooth um, and really rounds out any bourbon or any spirit that you pair with. Nick!
3: <laughs> oh, there's Mr. Bitsky. Hey, Nick. <laughs> uh, he's
6: on mute.
3: <laughs> Nick, we're making um, a cocktail.
6: So an ounce of sweet vermouth right into your mixing glass and then you're going to do two ounces of your bourbon
3: the joe lewis bourbon
6: joe Louis bourbon right in Alright, so this should be what it looks like and then you're going to add your ice right in and stir it. So when you're stirring it, I'm going to hold it up so you can see it. Make sure you never have your hand around it because you're going to warm up the cocktail right on the table. You want to stir it until you start to see a little bit of condensation on the outside of the mixing glass or whatever it is that you're mixing in. All right. Awesome. I'm just going to strain it right into my glass. And I will hold it up in one second so you guys can kind of see what I'm doing. Now you can do it up in a stemmed cocktail glass. That's how I like my Manhattans. Or you can do it on the rocks. And then you're gonna wanna garnish it with a cherry or you can do an orange. I like oranges. um, So I'm gonna take my orange and my peeler. And then, if you're going to use an orange or citrus, anything like that, you just want to take the peel with the pit towards you and the outside of it, and go right over the top of your cocktail. Then you're going to get all the oils from inside the peel right along the top. That way, when you go to take a drink, you're going to get that citrus smell right off the top. Of the cocktail.
3: Cool. You kind of wow. sets your palate up, doesn't it, when you do it that way with like the citrus around the room? Kind of yeah. sets your palate up for something different.
6: Yeah. Yeah, okay. no, it's it's good. I I love because I don't like super sweet. I always prefer citrus to a cherry in a Manhattan, but it's all it's all preferential. But, you yeah. know, bour- bourbon is such a fun, fun, fun. Yeah, it is. I, I'm a big bourbon drinker in general. So just. <laughs> all
2: right. So, Tara, the uh, the Detroit Club and it's the library bar inside mm-hmm. of there. Uh, how would you describe that place? Because I, I said it was swanky, but how would how would you describe it uh, to folks for when it does reopen?
6: Uh, so we are actually a very, we're a private club, but the library bar is actually open to the public at the moment. It's very laid back. We don't have tables in there. It's all lounge seating, a lot of couches, chairs, anything like that. Um, The menu in there is all of mine and actually a bartender that I work with. We make all of our own syrups, bitters, juice our citrus every day. Um, Our cocktails are a little off the wall because there's not much that we won't put in a cocktail. So (laughs) veggies or any kind of random flavors you'll really find on the menu.
4: CDBs, whatever.
6: (laughs) (laughs) I haven't used that yet. Um, But it's just, it's a fun atmosphere. It's super laid back. It's, it's, it's uh, a good time, and the the people I have behind the bar there, we're all super knowledgeable. Um, at least we are always learning more, so it's we're very good at making off menu items or catering to what you like specifically, that kind
3: of thing. You guys challenge each other every once in a while to uh, you know who's got the better drink, or you kind of try to fool them <laughs> as to what what's in the glass and what's not in the glass.
6: That's usually not a possibility, but we do, do we do challenge each other.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, is, is there food available? Is there a food menu as well? Yes, yeah,
6: there is. So, we have small bites in the library. That's what's on our menu, but you do have access to the grill room menu, which is our fine dining restaurant. So, you can get a lot of entrees in there. And then we actually have a cigar bar on the third floor of the club, um, mm-hmm. which I keep it pretty bourbon and scotch heavy up there. And they have some small bites up there also.
2: Right on. So, uh, is it a place that you got definitely need reservations? Can you just kind of wander in?
6: You can wander in for the most part. If you're going to have dinner in the restaurant, I recommend making reservations on open table. Um, but to get into the library, you can wander in at almost any time. It's a pretty big space. So, and we have the hotel. You're all, it's always open to the public. The spa. It's it's a full destination.
4: I think the real answer is we need a cell phone so we can call you, you know, because <laughs> mm-hmm. the table coming
0: coming
1: in. That's it. You, you can do that. The real thing is we need it to open so we can all go.
6: Right. Yeah. You and me both. Yeah.
1: yeah. So,
2: Nick, we were using your name in vain uh, right before you got here because uh, we were talking about tipping Tara and uh, right now tipping bartenders and servers and waiters uh, and, and, and people that aren't in a physical location, uh, and you set up the website, go tip
8: them. Yeah. It was, can you guys hear me? Okay. Absolutely. Yeah. So it's, it's one of many out there, but we uh, thought of a very similar idea where basically, um, we reached out to bartenders from across the U S we actually have representation from 49 States and D C and that's over 4,000 bartenders where we've included their Venmo PayPal cash app or a combination of the three. So the thinking is, every time you post a drink on your social media, which we do almost instinctively now in this modern world, um, go ahead and tip a bartender that would have been with you, that Tara would have been right across from you, send her a tip because it's going to help her get through this time. And then next time you're going to see her, she's going to have a smile. She's going to have a job and everyone's going to be like, oh, we're back to normal. So that's the way we developed go tip em. Um, We actually just released a fun video that was a play off The Witcher. Uh, toss a coin to your witcher so go check that out that's on the uh the stream right now uh you I see pop- you got
3: something sitting on your uh, your uh, desk there um uh nick i don't know what, what you're what talking are, about i no annoyed uh, what, what is that what are you guys sitting there man? I,
8: have i missed the party this is the uh the Jill-less, uh bourbon i haven't even opened it yet yeah, mine
2: is mine is taking a hit
8: Mine
0: is...
4: You know, I really I really need to apologize. I really need to apologize. There are way more bottles needed in Michigan right
5: now. Yeah, there is. I could definitely... And, yeah, that's why I want a bottle. Everybody's got a look, bottle with me.
4: The, the problem is, the problem is that, that we want to make sure we can do that, but the, the Corbett situation has the whole situation totally screwed up, and we <clears> can't <throat> even get a bottle of our own bourbon out of the warehouse that's right there in Michigan right now. And so it's, it's a little bit crazy.
3: So you know, when you, you you watch the watch our websites, watch our socials because as soon as it becomes available, we will let you know. Let everybody know that it's available. Get over to your your honey spot and and, and you know tell them to go out and find the joe lewis bourbon so you know yeah that, there's that, now
1: i think 38 locations that we updated the website with ron is that how, what, what it was and, and you've got a you're we're working on another, another 20
0: or so yeah we, we had 38 right now we got another 20 that we we heard about we'll have more by the weekend so it was rolling day by day <clears throat> i can throw a few out there just to kind of spatter around north south east west if that sounds good yeah please do it um a and L Wine Shop on Stadium in in Ann Arbor,
3: mm-hmm.
0: uh, Brass Mug in Livonia, and then Keg and Wine in Redford. Okay. Uh, Pine Mountain Wine Shop up by me. That's and in Clarkson, then, right? Um,
7: That's in Clarkson.
0: Yeah. And then one of my favorite names I've ever seen for a store. It's super fine wine and liquor. In <laughs> super <Kansas>. fine. Super <laughs> fine. Nice. <laughs> so,
7: I'm gonna throw a few of them out there just. Since yeah, no, yeah, um, cool. so yeah, yeah. You got A and B and Utica, uh Vintage Wine Shop on Orchard Lake and um kind of like West Bloomfield um area.
3: Farmington West Bloomfield area.
7: Oh, yep. Yeah, okay. So you got um Zaytunas and Outback Gas Station, which is the one that took 12 bottles in.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh,
7: Happy Hour in Arban House, also got some. So there's quite a few. I, I sent a list to Peter of yeah. to the accounts that are going to end up having it.
4: We're very uh, excited. So there's a, uh, thank you,
2: Al. There's a locator. There's a locator on the website. Uh, if you if you go to joelewisbourbon.com, you can find find the locator there and and get you in the right direction for a a store and a retailer that's gonna gonna have it. Nick, I saw you swirling things around over there. Mm-hmm um he's very pensive look at him he's very Nick is serious when it comes to drinking <laughs> Nick is, Nick is a, one serious character Nick uh what do you got what do you what do you what are you feeling
8: well so uh right off the bat uh I, I dig it because it is a 45 uh percent and it doesn't drink like it you know this thing is super smooth it has just enough bite on it um it, I think it has a nice balance I feel like I taste a, a little bit of barley in there a little bit of um uh, wheat. Uh, I could be wrong, but um, this is a, um, uh, a a tasty mix. Uh, I think the the bottle is absolutely gorgeous. I love the cutout. I love the crowd in the background. Uh, I think this is a good combo, and I think it's a it's a great play for uh, Metro Detroit.
4: Fantastic. Love that. I think you're right on the barley. I definitely picked that up, particularly on the end. Tara was talking about how it was a bit sweet across the front front of the palate. That's how I sense felt. Uh, but for me it finishes a
3: little bit peppery. Mm. See and that's what I love about bourbon guys. Is, mm-hmm. and, and, and guys and gals is that bourbon everyone's palate is so different. Everybody gets a different flavor note out of it. Mm-hmm. One of the, my most favorite things about drinking bourbon in itself is is that very everything is so minute. Uh you just your palate is so different and you have to really try things to really figure it out. So, you know, thank you everyone, you know, for for sharing. Yeah.
2: But Charles, all right, let's back. Let's go back because Charles, we talked about the the book in general, uh, and like the thirty plus championships and and the the the, the championship celebration. Uh, the book that you wrote, Detroit City of Champions. Uh, how does Joe? How does Joe Lewis enter into the story when he enters your book? How does How is Joe introduced into your book?
5: Uh, he's always Joe, Joe. always starts off in the beginning. I mean, he's always. I mean, he's always. Uh, you know he, he always leads off i mean that's that's really i mean i, I think that's his, the best spot i mean really almost kind of chronologically too um just because like you know the 1935 season when you know when we think of the 35 is like all these championships that's where like a lot of times like every the conversation begins but the reality is that is that the, the real the real story begins in 1934. Um. Because, like, it, it, you know, the, the in 1934 Detroit was a completely different like sports atmosphere than it ended up becoming, <clears throat> and it really shows you like from 1934 to really the end, you know, 1936 when the whole thing ends, um, like how much different Detroit was just on account of this one single year, um, prior to 1935, prior I mean, in 1934, Joe Lewis like didn't exist. I mean, I mean, he existed, but nobody knew who he was. Um, he was, he was, he was still an amateur at that time. Um, prior, prior to 1934, the Tigers had finished in, in fifth place, uh, five consecutive years. They were, they were a dreadful team. Their attendance, their attendance was, had not been as bad since 1907. They were, I mean, they had no money uh, or no, you know, there nobody, nobody wanted to go watch the Tigers in the middle of the great depression. The team was terrible. Mm-hmm. Um, the red, the red wings had changed their names three, uh, three times in five years. The lions didn't exist prior to 1934 they only moved to detroit on account of the t- detroit tigers when they came out of nowhere in 1934 um i mean like i say that's so it and really like i say, that's where i like to start with joe lewis because you you know here's this guy that nobody knows who he is i mean that's where he is the story is, is just this one man living in detroit you know he's an you know he's an amateur um and he's and he's coming I mean, he's coming up through the ranks so the amateurs really you know strong but no, he's not ranked by Ring Magazine. And, you know, he's a black fighter. Black fighters back then had no chance. I mean, they, they you, know, you know, Charles,
4: Nick, Charles you make so- a very interesting point there. You know, just wanted to dive on to that a bit more. When, when at that moment in time, um, a black man hadn't been considered to be given a title fight since Jack Johnson. Exactly. Yeah. 30 mm-hmm. years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the black guy was given the opportunity to fight and Joe Lewis, um, you know, through through a, a lot of very complicated stuff, some of it's not that great a story, um, was able to rise up and to get
5: that opportunity. And boy, did he take advantage of it? Well, actually, that's a great it's actually a great story to tell that the, the, how we get like the the, mech- the mechanics of how we got the opportunity, I think is a fascinating story. And I can yes. and I can shed some light on it if you guys yes. are interested in it. Please, please. Um, yeah. So, so. Anyways, you know, as you're mentioning, yeah, as you're mentioning, um, you know, the, uh, the, you know, J- he had no Jack Johnson. This what Jack Johnson. Jack Johnson was, you know, the first black heavyweight champion. and So, but what, the and, and but, you know, Jack Johnson be more akin to like a modern day NFL wide receiver than he, you know, than it was. And so, you know, where every time he won a fight, he was like really bombastic about it. You know, he was like rubbing it in people's faces. He was just. Um, and you know, there's, there's a debate about that, like whether, you know, she, he should have done that or, you know, but at the same time, it's like, um, you know, some people say, well, he, you know, he's, he's an American, he can do whatever he wants to, but and that's fine. But there's no doubt about the, the, you know, the effect of him having done so was, is that it's so, it, it sort of created this mentality in the media that like no black man will ever have a chance to do that again. Mm-hmm. Like he's, this door is shut for, for black boxers forever. And so and so when Joe Lewis came along, he was incredible. I mean, he was incredibly. Everybody, like a lot of people, recognized his ability right off the bat. They recognized how great he was. So they, all these, you know, he had, you know, people sponsoring, managers that were putting all kinds of money into him and all this different stuff to train him out of boxing and all that. But they knew that him getting a chance at the heavyweight championship was like a, an incredible long shot. I mean, it was an incredible long shot. Um, <laughs> But at the same time, there was there was a huge boxing at that time was in was on life support. There was you know gambling was rife. There really was no massive uh, draw for the sport. Like Max Bear was somewhat of a draw, but um and it, but he was you know he was and he because he was a total entertainer. Max Bear you know he's a he's a he's one of the greats too. But um but they still there was no like super super draw like that, and so. And so the idea was that in, in even more specifically, there was a war going on for Madison Square Gardens, which was at the epicenter of boxing in this country for the, you know, mm-hmm. the first half of the century. And so um, and so anyways, so so there's a guy looking on from the, 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 the guy that was looking on from the outside in looking at Madison Square Gardens, wanting to, to he was a, a boxing prim- promoter named Mike Jacobs. And so he looked at the situation. He's like, I, he was trying to, basically, he was trying to break into big-time boxing. And Madison Square Gardens was how he wanted to get in. But he needed somebody, a a, a a superstar, in order to, you know, to have the biggest and best fights. And that's why he saw Joe Lewis and was like, this guy's great. He's like, he might be black, but he also destroys people every single time he gets in a ring. He, like, just leaves it. It's like a bloodbath. He's like, that's what that's what fight fans like to watch are just, you know, a bloodbath, you know, that that. that decides. So anyways, um, so, so the, so he came up with an idea of how to, how to make this happen. And the mm-hmm. idea was, is that the Madison square gardens, um, had a, had the benefit for, for years, they had the benefit of free, um, advertisements by the, the, the Hearst newspapers and the idea was that every time there was a boxing match or whatever event at the Madison Square Gardens, then um, the Hearst newspapers, all the reporters would give them all kinds of hype. Like this is about to be the biggest fight. This is about to be the biggest hockey game, whatever. Like they'd all, they just do free hype. And in exchange, the, the Madison Square Gardens would give a cut of their gate receipts to, to William Randolph Hearst's wife, Millicent. And cause she had a charity called the milk fund for babies. And so that, so that cut of that gate, would go to the would go to the uh, Hearst Fund for Babies, but as the Great Depression sunk in, the, that that amount of money that was coming from the gardens got less and less and less and less. And so Mike Jacobs was smart enough to recognize that and and go to the reporters themselves and say, "We're gonna if you turn your attention towards me and give me that same height and the, you know the fighters I promote, then I will give you a massive cut of all gates that we do." And I might even find a way to chip in a couple of coins for you, the reporter, as well. You see, uh, and, so, and so that was the idea, and so that's how he diverted that that attention from, um, from from the madness from the people that were currently running <laughs> Madison Square Gardens, which actually literally denied Joe Lewis, um, a chance at that you know they they denied they they even set, uh, said some racist stuff to him over the phone, saying you'll you'll never fight here. And so that's what made Joe Lewis want to absolutely sign with Mike Jacobs and say, well, you know, and so that must so Mike Jacobs came up with the concept of saying, what we're going to do, Joe, is use my new hype machine to build you up. Um, you know, we're going to send you out to the West, like so go through Pittsburgh and California. And every time you win a fight, there, where the newspaper reporters in New York are going to like hype up the fight saying there's this invincible warrior out West. From and Detroit, his, And he's making his <laughs> way East. Like eventually he's going to get to Detroit or I'm sorry, get to New York. And then it's going to, you know, like, and he's just going to change everything. You know, that was the idea. And so that's what it was. So Joe Lewis did this basically hype tour. So he had, I think he had five fights and after every fight, there was just crazy newspaper coverage talking about how this, like, this incredible boxer has been discovered and all this. And so by the time Joe Lewis came to New York for his first fight, um, and it was against Primo Carnera, um, and it was actually at Yankee Stadium instead of Madison Square Garden. Um, and and uh, when jo- when Joe Lewis got there, they, uh, all the porters and that he, there was so much excitement for Joe Lewis when he arrived in New York for the first time that that they carried him off the train, right. like whether there was like a mob of people and they carried him off of the train.
3: How, how many people like, did that take? I wonder. Uh.
1: I
5: don't know, <laughs> but it's, but, it, but there, there there is actually a photo. There is a photo I actually have it in my in my in my uh, second book that. You know, um, it's so you know, is Joe getting carried off the train, you know, it's just and then like his fight his his training camps. He had a training camp in Pompton Lakes. And there was like I mean, it was like an entire city of people gathered there for like, I think it was two weeks that um, they were just it was just every single day. It was like a small city gathered at this training camp and they were just it was just Joe Lewis mania. And then when he fought Primo Carnera, who was the was, they called him the man mountain from Italia um, yeah, huge. Six Giant. foot six monster. What's that? The giant, yeah, the giant. He was six foot six. He's like the biggest man you've ever seen in the box. Right, club. And, and it he was, it was really
4: in some seen. ways. In some ways, it was really a prelude to the Schmeling fight because you know Primo was basically one of Mussolini's guys, and it was all wrapped up in the whole larger fascist Nazi world. war. Yeah, thing. they
5: definitely and they definitely hyped that up because at that moment Mussolini was was attacking um was attacking Ethiopia like as a colonial power right. attacking like this. And so they hyped it up as a, as a Italy versus, you know, Ethiopia type situation. You know, the media did, it was like a, you know, nationalistic type of a situation. But, um, but Primo was just, but Primo, it's like, you know, a lot of times the Primo fight gets lost in the, you know, lost in the stuff that Joe did, but Primo Carnera. And then like, even the newspaper reporters, they were, even after the fight, they were like, Oh, uh, Joe, like just destroyed Primo, you know? But if you watch the fight, I'm telling you, the fight with Joe Lewis versus Primo Carnera is one of the best fights you will ever see. Joe, love it. The, Primo Carnera does not stop swinging the entire fight. It's, it's a nonstop barrage of punches, and Joe, it's like you're watching. It looks like a little kid fighting a full-grown man, and this <laughs> the full-grown man, and the full-grown man does not stop swinging. No matter how many times Joe hits him and knocks him down. He does not stop swinging the entire fight. Like I dare anybody to watch that fight and say that that was a walkover. I mean, it was a walkover for Joe. Like when you watch him dismantle him, but but I mean, you have to be yeah. There it is, right there. Yeah, you have to be. You have to be an absolute. Um, I mean, he, Joe Lewis stands toe to toe with this monster, and um, <laughs> and just I mean, it's just like dodge, 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 <laughs> punch, you know, <laughs> just crazy. How can you not love Joe Lewis? Oh no, he's in, yeah. That's what I'm saying. And then so this but yeah, like I say, the sad thing is is that like you know you know at right at this moment uh Max Bayer loses his fight to um to James Braddock and loses the title and so now Joe Lewis had this incredible year, and Joe can't even win the title this year you know that's what was really uh, sad about that whole thing that's what I'm saying that was like sort of the hidden the hidden loss behind the um You know, the movie Cinderella Man, which they don't talk about, it's like you know, it it prevented Joe from getting the the belt for um for another two years. And that was only and then when he got his chance of the belt, he had to give up 10% of his next like 10 fights earnings just to get a chance of the belt.
1: Well, that's a that's a whole
5: different story, though, isn't it? I
1: mean,
5: you know, we get stuck. We if we
4: start getting into that issue, we're gonna be here for two days.
5: I I yeah, look look at the size of Primo,
7: he's huge, huge. Yeah. (laughs)
5: Yeah. Uh,
7: so we're
5: video while we're
2: doing it too. I'm um, unbelievable. Wow! 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 So, uh, man, Charles, we're gonna we're gonna hang out and tell a whole bunch of Detroit stories. Uh, <laughs> we, we got yeah. weeks, man. <laughs> we're doing yeah. I'm
5: whatever, man. I'm I'm on locked house, lockdown. So I'm just I'm reading, writing, and telling stories. I'd love to. You know, I, I, I have fun. That's we're great. doing
2: Detroit City of Champions as its own podcast, and uh, that's coming very, very soon. Because I, yeah. I, I just, I char, I just got just, I'm so enamored when he starts talking. He's such a good storyteller, in the I story appreciate
5: that. It's, the it's, the I, I enjoy doing it.
2: So hey, there's people watching and following along. We got stuff streaming on Facebook, and a uh, Scott Nongo cool. chimed in. David Gee, he wants up some up in Maine. Uh, mm-hmm. Who else chimed in? Uh, yeah, David wants to know if uh, is there any uh, um, online liquor sales uh, coming out of the chat room? Corey Abbott, i want to know the same
4: question. You know, not for folks who is not for folks who are not in Michigan. Uh, it appears as though we will be available online for sale shortly. And when I say Excellent. shortly, I'm hoping within 10 days. Um, Ron, that's to you. Uh, and yep. and you know, inside of Michigan, it's a little bit more of a challenge. We can't ship inside of Michigan today. And for folks inside of Michigan, you'll need to go out and find a retail location. You can look online uh, on the locations, so and you'll find uh, a variety of places. Uh, I'm I'm told by Al that we'll have hundreds of stores soon, and so very easily. And we'll all be looking up Tara, to ask her to get mix us a good drink when we all get back to work, and I can't wait for that. Exactly. We've had folks.
3: I've had folks chime in. I did a watch party on Facebook, and then we had folks chime in from South Carolina. We've had folks chime in from uh, Georgia, even down in from Florida. So, you know, cannot thank everyone enough for their support. You know, you know, let everyone know that there that there is a bourbon called Joe Lewis Bourbon, and uh, you know, try, ask for it. That's all you got to do. Yeah, we're
1: trying to get everyone to, you know, we're, we're going to stay as, as fresh as we can on the list on the website in terms of locations in Michigan that have it. Mm-hmm. But frankly, uh, call, just call, keep calling and ask That's for all it. all you got to do. Just ask all for right. it. Where's oh, Joe? <laughs> taste, taste Joe.
2: Taste, Tuesday. Let's do this again next Tuesday. Everybody up for uh, another another? Yeah. Another. Yeah.
1: Great. Yeah. We, yeah. We, we might need to get some. We might <laughs> need to get some more samples. But yeah. <laughs> I'm
2: running, yeah, running dangerously more. low over here. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
4: I'm working on it. I'm working on it. No, uh, you're
2: good, Peter. <laughs> fair play. All right. JoeLewisBourbon.com. <laughs> <laughs> ManGiveHappyHour.com. Nick Drinks. What's the? Uh, where Where do people get a hold of you, Nick?
8: Uh, you know, honestly, I'm gonna put Nick drinks on a hold. Go to gotipem.com. G-O-T-I-P-E-M, and uh, you know we can look at Nick drinks in a couple months.
2: So, all right. So, and and uh, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go there right after the show, and I'm gonna lay down a tip for uh, Tara because you you are awesome. Uh, thank you so much for taking the <laughs> yeah. time and, and, and pouring a couple for us. We really appreciate her bar her. her
1: bar back is there. Yes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
8: And uh, if I can do a quick <laughs> shout out, we're actually, um, we're going to talk to uh, Tara's friend Roger tonight on Nick Drinks, and uh, we're going to talk to Matt Buskerd from uh, uh, Bobcat Bonnie's along with my friend Joe Hakim, and we're going to talk about just how COVID has affected uh, the industry, both on the bar side and the restaurant side. So if you are still hanging around and you're still sober around eight o'clock, you know, come <laughs> check out that stream. That's funny. <laughs> <laughs> That's
0: funny.
3: Yeah. Bye,
4: everybody. All right, thanks, thanks everybody. Inside. This was great fun. Take care, now Great
8: Thank fun. Thank you. Good night.
4: All right. For the nice to meet you, guys. Nice to meet nice you, guys. Nice to meet you, like, you uh, as well.